Well, good morning. morning. It's good to see you this morning. And man, it's really tough to follow that. (laughs) Um, Just want to give a little bit of a correction. Um, Keith was correct that next this coming Saturday, the bus will leave at 945, but next Sunday it will be 915. Okay, so 915 for the bus. And uh, we are continuing in our series in Gospel in Life. And you also may notice that today we have the candle lit, and there have been multiple people this past week, including early this morning, that prayed to receive Christ. And so we're just excited to see that God is at work in our midst. So yes, we can praise God for how He is continually working. I hope that you have, uh, those of you who are involved in your community groups, discipleship groups, have been learning and growing a lot as we've been walking through this Gospel in Life series and digging deeper uh, into our our, uh, messages together. And so today we're going to be talking about community. And many of you um, know that a few months ago, Pastor Eris transitioned into a new role as community life pastor. So we thought today, since we're talking about community, we would give him just a brief moment uh, to be able to share an update uh, as to uh, what he's been doing in that role. So I'll have Pastor Harris come up, and primarily what he's been focusing on is this role involves uh, member care, so caring for our members, as well as integrating and uh, getting people plugged into the life of our our church community. So Pastor Harris, maybe you can share a brief update for us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Dan. And I'm so thankful that the Lord has given me this opportunity to share a little bit about what we have been doing so far since uh, I have transitioned into this new ministry, new role. It has not uh, totally overhauled and I lose some uh, ministries. It's not like that, but uh, the ministry of uh, regarding community is something that has been added and this is very, very meaningful for me because uh, as a pastor like Pastor Dan and Pastor Mike and all other leaders of the church and all of us are involved in, in community and we need to look at the way we are going to care for the overall membership of the church. Uh, thank God. We all thank God. And I'm personally thanking you uh, as a body for your support and for your partnership in the gospel and in the ministry of the Lord. Well, we want to be able to provide proper care. That's big. And we cannot do that uh, using our own strength, our own skills, our own thoughts. But uh, our aim, by the help of the Lord, by the grace of the Lord, is to be able to provide proper care for the overall membership of AIC, from children to adults. To be able to do that, uh, we explored on so many uh, and and various ways uh, through the internet and listening to people and listening to, to some other uh, churches on how they care for their membership. And uh, in the past few weeks, we have subscribed to a web-based church management software. It is called Church Management Online. We will be uh, informing you further uh, regarding this software because you are going to be involved in this uh, in the future, in the near future, like November. Church Management Online is an awesome tool for attendance tracking. That is how we are expressing our desire to care for you. Tracking membership is not something that is uh, to be dreaded or something that we are afraid of or scared about, 
But that is one way of looking at the whereabouts. Maybe some of you have gone back into your uh, place of origin and you still want to be in connection with AIC. And if there's any way that we can continue communicating with you, uh, we can do that through this uh, software. This is very important in our attendance reporting also. We need that as a body, as a church. And also, this is very, very beneficial database system that helps keep our church organized. This is when it comes to the organization of our church. Great church management resource. That is how it is being described by so many people. And we have subscribed to that, and we are exploring more about how we are going to maximize uh, this system. One important feature that we aim to be fully functional in November is the child check-in. Child check-in. We aim to be able to help the parents and guardians to have a smooth flow of your children's coming in and going out of the church church premises and our facilities. Uh, you, the parents, will be directed into some check-in counters by mid-November and uh, just do some check-in and you will receive name tags for your children so that uh, when your children go around uh, this <laughs> area, this ground, people will recognize, oh, this, he is or she is one of our children attending our ministries upstairs. So we could know immediately what to do and where to bring the child who goes around uh, not knowing nowhere to go. Oh, each one of you will be given as an overall, uh, I mean, for the overall membership, each one of you will be given the privilege to log in using your own email addresses. Uh, that you have uh, provided to us and have been saved uh, with your data on our database. You will be directed to your personal data, and in addition to that, you can edit and or add some information. In addition, you will be able to access the directory and see uh, names of your friends and their information, and, uh, but not all information will be provided. You, it will be very secure. I, uh, we assure you that. It will be very secure when you log in using your uh, personal email address. You will only be directed to your personal info and the directory, just the directory regarding uh, other uh, reports like finances or whatever uh, in, in the overall administration of the church. You will not be able to access that except that when you ask the secretary and the church office, you'll be able to get some information. That is what we have been doing so far, and please pray with us. Child check-in is important because the children are, being, are very special, part of our community. We care for your kids. We care for all of you. So please pray with us. That is all. Thanks. So here at AIC, we, we highly value community, and we're seeking ways to um, get people involved to create a safe environment for all of us, and so that we care for all of our uh, people here from the, the youngest to the oldest. Um, before we get into this, let's just pause and let's pray and ask God to speak to us as we learn about community this morning. Lord, we come before you and we thank you so much for how you are at work 
Thank you for how you're working in the life of AIC. Thank you for uh, how you've worked in the life of Lynn and her husband and what you're doing in China. And so, God, today as we look into your word, as we learn about what community is and how we can live it out, I pray that you would give us special insight and that we would not just know these, uh, these things, but we would actually put it into practice uh, and to, to do so even more. So we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. When we talk about community, community is something that we all were created for. We were created as relational beings. This is something that um, society has recognized for a long time. Um, There are studies that um, have shown that we were created for relationship. We were never created to be alone and to go through life and to live life alone. And as Christians, we shouldn't be surprised by this. When we look at the very beginning of the Bible, uh, the very first chapter introduces us to God. And basically, it's, it introduces us to how we came into existence, how the universe came into existence. And as we look at the, the creation of the universe, on, at the end of nearly every single creation day, God looks down on what he created, and it's, it says that God saw that it was good. And at the very end of the creation week, it says that God looked down and saw that it was very good. And it's not until chapter 2 of Genesis that we, for the first time, see that God declares something is not good. And so here we have repeatedly, God says, oh, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then all of a sudden he sees something and says, whoa, that's not good. Now when most people think about what was it that God saw that wasn't good, most people think, Well, maybe it was humans doing something bad, or something bad happened. Um, Maybe when referring to when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that they were not supposed to eat of. But actually, in Genesis 2.18, we get to see what God says was not good. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. Now, this is interesting. Um, The first thing that God says is, It's not good for this man to be alone. Now, if we think about that, was Adam, the first man, literally alone? Were there other beings with Adam? Yes, there would have been animals. There would have been plants and trees. All of those have life. Um, So he wasn't alone. And who else was with Adam? God. God was there. Now, I believe that this is very, very fundamental and so important for us as we think about the idea of community. God is saying here that I have created you as human beings uniquely so that you're surrounded by other beings, animals and plants, and yet relationally there's something missing. And even if it's just me and you, there's still an element or something missing. And so community was something that we were created with because as human beings, we're something that's unique about us is we were created in God's image. And so being created in the image of God, um, part of that is instilling in us a need for community. God himself has eternally existed in community. When we think about God, he exists eternally as the Trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so the word Trinity comes from actually the Latin, but the Old English was triunity, which actually means 
gives the essence of what the Trinity is all about, which is three in unity. And so here we have, from the very beginning, a biblical basis for why we need to and have this need for living in community. Society has recognized this as well, like I said earlier. Um, I searched several international school websites and even university websites, and almost every one, it uses words like community, collaborate, teamwork, um, and, and also uh, networking. Um, I also, if you go to most um, job websites or companies, they will talk about how you, they want you to join their team and they want to join, uh, to, to collaborate, to network, um, to make a difference in the community. And so society recognizes that this is something people value. And this is why there was such a big rise in what we call social networks. Now, most of you have heard of something called Facebook, maybe? Um, and before Facebook was MySpace, and before MySpace was Zanga. Anybody have a Zanga site? Okay, you guys don't know what I'm talking about. Zanga was um, one of the original um, social networking sites, and basically it took the concept of blogging. Okay, a lot of people had their own blogs uh, at that time, and basically that's just like documenting your own thoughts online where you can share your thoughts. And so what Zanga did was it connected people who were like-minded and to bring those bloggers kind of together through a social online network. And so here, it's, it's hard to see, but basically their tagline is Zanga, the blogging community. Um, then MySpace came along, and again, it's very hard to read, but it says join now to be a part of the MySpace community. Facebook. Um, Facebook helps you connect and share with the people in your life. And so um, these are supposed to be representing people throughout various parts of the world, and through Facebook you can connect. And then there's Twitter, which is more common in the States. And again, it has this concept or idea of connecting. It says connect with your friends. And so social networking has exploded. It's, it's become huge. There are millions and millions of users now who are connected through social online networks. On the surface, this sounds like such a great idea to bring people together, to use technology to bring people together from all parts of the world. Now, I have to say that Facebook has been great in one sense of being able to reconnect with uh, friends I hadn't seen for a long time, and also to keep in communication with family. Um, and so we use Facebook for those purposes. But what's really interesting is that um, there was a study done by the University of Michigan which uh, looked at the impact of social networking, particularly Facebook. And their conclusion was very interesting. Basically, in the conclusion, they say that the human need for social connection is well-established, as are the benefits that people derive from such connections. On the surface, Facebook provides an invaluable resource for fulfilling such needs by allowing people to instantly connect. However, rather than enhancing well-being, Facebook, and by implication other social networks, may actually predict the opposite results for young people it actually may undermine well-being. And what the study um, went on to, to show and demonstrate was that young people who use Facebook seem to be less happy and more lonely 
than those who did not regularly use Facebook or social networking. And so it's very interesting and ironic that technology can, in one sense, bring us together, and we're more connected today, literally, than any time in history, and yet more people are lonely and less happy than at other points in history. What's also interesting is um, you would think that being in a city of 7 million people, loneliness would not be a problem. When I was a youth pastor, among the issues that, that most of the youth I worked with faced, loneliness was at the top. It was right up there with uh, pressure at school and, and other things, um, and depression. And loneliness was right there involved in that. And I, I wondered, and I probed that a little bit. I said, but you're around so many people all the time. And so it's just like Facebook. You have a lot of acquaintances, but no real deep friendships. And, um, you know, when we think about social networking, even now on, like, say, Google+, Plus. You can actually choose who your friends are and your family and your acquaintances. <laughs> and if you start sifting through that, at least in my life, I realized, man, I have way more acquaintances than actual deep friends. And you may have 500 Facebook friends, but how many do you really know deeply? And so from a world's perspective, we often think that, oh, all we need is just to be around people. And sometimes, sadly, as Christians, we think that way too. We think that, oh, if I just show up at a church and I get a, a good, um, feel-good message, I get something beneficial for me, I show up and I leave, then that's, that's okay, that that's all that I need. Um, well, as Tim Keller points out, um, showing up at a church service is not being in community. That's just being in a crowd. <laughs> and so... The world often says all we need is each other. Okay? All we need is to be around each other, and that will fulfill that deep inner longing for community, for relationship. Many Christians say that all we need is God. If I just focus on my personal relationship with God, if I um, enjoy my personal quiet time with God, and I just show up at a church service and then leave, then it's just me and God is enough. But... What's interesting is the Bible, God's Word tells us that we were created to be in relationship with both God and other people. So the world says we just need other people. Some Christians say we just need God. But God's Word tells us, as we'll look at, that we need to be in relationship. We were created to be in relationship with God and other people. Uh, Tim Keller also points out that when God summons you into relationship with Himself, He also always summons you into a new community of people who also know him. And this was true of Adam, the first man, right? When God drew him into relationship with himself, he realized, God realized that just Adam and me, Adam and God is not enough. And so he created another being, but he didn't create other animals or plants. He created another person, Eve, who was the first woman. And he set up the first marriage. It was in the context of marriage. But the point was, God was calling Adam not just into relationship with himself, but into relationship with an others, someone else, that they could grow alongside each other as they grew in relationship with God. This happened later when God called a Abraham um, to leave his country, and God called Abraham into relationship with him. But he also said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. 
And so he was going to build up him and his descendants to be a community who, who followed um, the true God. And that, that was also the case with the nation of Israel. God individually called people to himself, but to be a part of that holy nation, the nation of Israel. Later on, Jesus, when he called the disciples to follow him, he said, come and follow me. But he didn't just individually meet with every single disciple that he called. He brought all of the disciples to follow him, but to do so together, to form a community. And today, God's community that he's created for us is through the Holy Spirit, the church. The church is the community that God has called us to follow him. So when God calls us to follow him, it's not just in a personal way, but it's also collectively into a community of believers. The New Testament is clear in the idea of community. Um, We were called to live out the Christian life and community. The Christian life was never meant to just be between you and God. The Christian life was meant to be lived out with others. And that's best demonstrated when we look at the so-called one another passages of the New Testament or each other passages. And these are passages that say, this is what you are to do for and with each other, one another. So I'm going to try to um, read through this and we'll see what the New Testament tells us, okay? We're told to wash one another's feet, to love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, stop judging one another, accept one another, instruct and learn from one another, greet one another with a holy kiss. What? Um, agree with and no division with one another, serve one another, don't buy, devour, destroy one another, don't provoke or envy one another, carry one another's burdens, bear with one another, be kind and compassionate with one another, speak with psalms, hymns, etc. with one another, submit to one another, do not lie to one another, bear with and forgive one another, teach and admonish one another, build up one another, live at peace with one another. Always try to be kind to one another, encourage one another, spur one another, love and good deeds, don't slander one another, don't grumble against one another, confess sins and pray for one another, hospitality to one another, show humility to one another, have fellowship with one another. Okay, that's all. (laughs) But I think you get the point. There are, and and most of these um, commands, these things that we're supposed to do for one another, um, the majority are mentioned more than once throughout the New Testament. And so as you can see, there is a lot that we're to do for one another. And so as Francis Chan points out in his Multiply material, his Multiply book, you cannot, it's impossible to one another yourself. (laughs) In order to live out the one another passages, you have to be in a community. You have to surround yourself and be involved with other people. And so... It's impossible to one another yourself, it's, and so thus it's impossible to follow Jesus by yourself alone. Now, there are times and instances where, okay, you might be in prison somewhere. You might be on a stranded island somewhere like, um, like the Apostle John was. But, so there are exceptions to the rule. But what God calls us to is into an intimate relationship with him, but also through others. And the context where that is today is the church. Now, as we talk about this term church, I think it's so important for us to rethink and redefine, so to speak, what this term church means. Many people think of the word church and think of a place. Okay, there's a common misconception that the church is a building or it is a place. Um, And so that misperception or misunderstanding is often unwittingly passed on when we say something like, 
I'm going to go to church today. Or let's meet at church for worship practice. The reality is we can't meet at church. Also, um, so first of all, what church is not? Church is not a place. We'll talk about what it is. Church is not a place. And also, people have a misunderstanding to think that church is something that Christians do. Okay, it's something that we do. Many people think of church and relate it to singing songs and praying and hearing, listening to a sermon, giving offerings, and that this is what church is. It's something you do. And so we often unwittingly perpetuate that if we ask someone if they would like to go to church with us in the same way that we would ask them, would you like to come over for dinner to our house with us? Or would you like to go see a movie with us? So those are things that you do, and so we often maybe use that terminology which gives that misperception that, um, Christi- uh, that church is something that Christians do. The reality is church is not a place. Church is not something that Christians do. Something, church is something that you are. You are the church. The church consists of people. And so AIC is not located at 21 Tak Fung Street, Wampo Garden, Hong Kong, Kowloon, Hong Kong. This is the location where the church AIC meets. AIC is located all throughout Hong Kong during the week because you are the church. The church consists of people. The church is a community of God's people. And I believe wholeheartedly that this is so important for us to understand Because if church is not a place that we go to, it is not an activity that we do, church is not something external, church is something internal to each of us, and we are supernaturally, mysteriously connected through the Holy Spirit with others, and we form a body, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, In Acts 20, verse 28, Paul gives a very heart-warming and heart-wrenching farewell to the Uh, elders or pastors at Ephesus. And this is what he challenges them with because he knows this is the last time he's going to see them. And amongst the, the other things he says, he tells them and encourages them to be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. The church, the body of Christ, is so important to God that he purchased us, he purchased the church with the high price of his son's own blood, with Christ's blood. And so Jesus did not die for a building. Jesus did not die for an event. Jesus died for people. Okay, Jesus died for us. And so when you belong to AIC, you belong to a group of people, not a service. Okay, AIC is a community of people, not a church service that you attend. It's not an event you attend. So we are called to commit to a community of people, not to a service. When I was a youth pastor, um, we we talked a lot about community. And uh, there was uh, one teenage boy who was coming to our church on Sunday morning, uh, to our youth fellowship, and then on Friday night he was going to another church. Uh, for Friday night um, activities. And so uh, after a while, I asked him, so why are you going to two different church communities? And he said, well, on Sunday, I feel like I have something to offer to serve. And on Friday, I feel like I have something that I can learn from and that I can, I can get. 
And so I challenged him to say, well, I think it's good if you can commit to one church or the other. And he didn't really understand why until I explained that, you see, you're basing your commitment on the event that happens. You're basing your commitment on the service and what you can get out of it. You need to think about when we belong to a church, we're called to commit to the people there. And it's hard to be a part of two families full-time, two communities full-time. And so eventually he began to understand that. And you know what? He chose the other church. (laughs) And you know what? I don't care. In fact, I was happy that he finally was able to commit to a community of people. And that's what God calls us to. It's not about AIC. It's not about another church. It's about are you connected with a family of believers, a community of believers, where you can grow, where you can use your gifts, and where um, you can be a part of the body of Christ. And so I want to dig deeper a little bit into this idea of the body of Christ and just read through Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where he gives this analogy of how the church, how the community of believers is like a body. And so this is found in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 27. He says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say... Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now we'll pause there for a moment. And what Paul is saying is, there are some people who may feel like they're not significant. Well, I don't know how to preach, or I'm scared to be up in front of people. I don't know how to sing. I don't know how to lead worship. We may feel like, well, I'm not significant. And what Paul is saying is, no. Each and every part of the body is brought there by Christ. And for a purpose, and we all have a part to play, and we all need each other. And also, we can't say we don't need other people. And he goes on to say this, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that we that are unpresentable we treat with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment but God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other if one part suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honored every part rejoices with it now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And so here Paul gives this analogy of a body, and some of you may be more, um, more like engineers or like working with things, and it would be like having different parts that put together uh, a, mach- a machine or 
something like that. So what Paul is saying is that there is one body, but there are many parts. We are interconnected, um, and all parts are equal. Okay, All parts of the body are equal. There's no one in this community at AIC or this body who is more important than anyone else. Um, we just may have different roles, but all those roles are important for us to function. Um, Pastor Mike and I are standing up here preaching often. Um, there's others who lead worship up front. Uh, but that's no, no more important than those who help set up um, the tables in the back or who usher. Um, that's just as important to, if you are someone who just says hi with a smile and genuinely greets someone, that can be as or if not more important than giving a message. Um, and we need each other to function properly. You know, we may think that uh, certain, certain parts of our body are, are not very valuable. Um, we know the things that are. You know, if we were to lose our hands or feet or eyes or, or hearing, we would think, wow, that would be so awful. And yet, um, maybe, ha- have any of you ever lost a fingernail or toenail? <laughs> I have, and that can be excruciatingly painful. And you never knew that, why, how could that be so important? Um, and so we need each other to function properly. Well, I want to take just the next few minutes um, to walk through some biblical purposes of community, some biblical results of community and why it's so important. Um, first of all, uh, community, one of the biblical purposes is to build up and strengthen one another. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. When we're in relationships with others, we become more like Christ. We can encourage one another, build each other up, strengthen one another. Also, it's in community that we um, can help guard against sin. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know, it's, living the Christian life is difficult. There are so many temptations out there. And when we try to face that on our own, it's not easy. And so when we're in community, when we're in relationship with others, we can receive encouragement to not give in to that temptation, to receive encouragement to say, no, there's a better way, um, and to have that accountability and support. Another biblical purpose is to help um, when one of us does fall or is in need. None of us are perfect. And inevitably, there will be times where we do fall into temptation or when we are facing a great time of need. And so we're told this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And so it's within, when we have community that we're able to have others who can actually help us. Uh, There was a a young man, um, when he was a teenager, he went to our youth group. And then when he went to the States, um, he basically, he went to a Christian university, Christian college, but he didn't get plugged into a a church, into a Christian community. And he really didn't have um, any kind of support. And so unfortunately, he got into a very, very, Um, severe car accident um, where I think he was hit by a car and he was hospitalized and so his mom was um, very very worried and called him and said can there be someone that can come and pray for you and he said mom I don't know anyone who 
I trust or that knows me that I can call to pray for me. And she said, well, aren't you going to church? And he said, I haven't been. And so she was so devastated. And while I thought it was a little harsh, she, she had to tell him, son, you need somebody to love you and care for you. And so she said, I know someone I'll call you. I'll call to, to come and help, help you. And so it was, he had to learn the hard way. And yeah, it was pretty harsh. But that when he had this time of need, there was no one to help him. And uh, there's a, a Chinese saying that some of you might be familiar with. Uh, it goes something like this. Tung git zao si lik long. There's a made-up made up phrase that Dan Tufts just said, which basically means something like there's power in unity, there's strength when there's togetherness. Yeah, now you get what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> it's only when we have others to help us that we can truly make it through the difficult times in life. We, don't not, we can't just say, well, God will help me. Yes, he will but we need others to help us as well. We also, a biblical purpose is to provide mutual encouragement. Um, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now this is a verse in the past that has been used by pastors to guilt people into coming to church. (laughs) That's, I don't think, the heart of what Um, the author is saying here. I believe it it says that the purpose of gathering together isn't for an event. The purpose of gathering together is for encouragement so we can encourage one another. And the only way that we can receive encouragement and to give encouragement is if we're involved in community. Also, we are a biblical purpose of community is to use our God-given gifts to bless others. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Peter here doesn't say, if you have a gift, then you should use it. He says that he assumes that you have a gift or gifts that the Spirit has given you or God has enhanced your natural talents in such a way that you should use that to benefit others. So God has gifted you, he has blessed you with talents and gifts, not so that you can just utilize those yourself, but so that you can utilize those to be a blessing and benefit to others. And it's only in community that we can use those gifts. Um, And also, we're told that biblical community is what tells the world that you're a uh, a Christian. It communicates to the world that you're a Christian. John In John chapter 13, Jesus tells us why we have this command to love one another. He says, as a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And so, what an amazing picture our love is for one another to the world. It communicates that we, we don't just love each other, but we love someone greater, that we have a love for Christ as well. And it's such an amazing way to tell the world that we're a Christian. And it also communicates to the world the gospel message. Uh, Jesus prayed um, 
before he was arrested, he prayed for not only the believers, his own disciples, but he prayed for future disciples who would believe in him, which would be us. And he says, I have given them the glory that you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. In them, I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And listen to this purpose. He says, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And so when we come together in unity, when we love one another, when we're living out biblical community, it actually gives the message that God loves us and we love um, each other as well as the world around us. And then finally, ultimately, living out biblical community is to bring praise and glory to God. Let's listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 15. It says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. Why? So that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Why? In order to bring praise to God. You see, that's really at the heart of biblical community is it so that we can come together, not just as individuals, but collectively as a whole, and we can give praise and glory to God. And that is the greatest act of worship that we can have. And so our unity, our community, our love for one another, doesn't end with just how we feel. Okay, Being in community isn't just like having a support group to say, you can do it. (laughs) Okay, We will have encouragement, but it's also ultimately to, to bring praise and glory to God, to remind us that we are unified by the God who loves each and every one of us. And so here at AIC, community is something that we highly value. And we provide many, many opportunities, many avenues, many ways to be involved in community at AIC. And I'm just going to um, give you some examples so that if you're not involved yet, you have a way that you can get involved. Um, For those of you who are ages 11 to 18, or you have children who are ages 11 to 18, we have a youth fellowship that meets every Sunday morning and Friday night. We have children's ministry, both small group time and large group time, um, for those of you who have children. And not only do we have children connecting in relationship with one another, but we have parents and adults who are committing to love and, and nourish Uh, our our children and to help come alongside you as parents as we work together um, to raise up a generation of Christ followers. So we have a a very strong children's ministry. We have home community groups, about nine or ten that meet all throughout Hong Kong. We have Filipino discipleship groups, about seven of them. Uh, We have a Mandarin fellowship for those of you who might prefer to speak in Putonghua. Um, We have Sunday discipleship classes. And uh, we have one class that's a bit smaller, so it's a more intimate setting where there can be great personal interaction um, and support and encouragement. And we do have a larger class, um, but even within that class, we, we encourage and we facilitate partnerships. And we have a small group discussion for the majority of the time. And so we have discipleship classes that aren't just... Uh, a setting like this, but a more intimate learning and growing environment. We have a men's ministry that meets every month. And even within the men's ministry, we have smaller groups of men that meet uh, uh, separately for prayer and encouragement and sharing. 
Uh, we have a women's ministry that is uh, still in the process of, of formulating, um, but there's still some women who uh, read scripture and they post online their thoughts, have online discussions, so they use social networking to connect um, and then every so often come together uh, in person. And every Wednesday night we have prayer, worship, and fellowship every Wednesday night um, here. And so here at AIC, we have many opportunities to get involved in community. It would, have, it would be very difficult to not be involved in community here at AIC. In fact, you would probably be avoiding it if you're not involved in community. And so my encouragement to those of you who have not found the joy of community here at AIC yet is to say there are many opportunities and we understand and know that you cannot be involved in everything. We don't want you to be involved in everything. In fact, it, it is probably not possible to be involved in more than one type of fellowship. But what we ask is to find one avenue of connecting with other believers, either through the ministries we already have or finding like-minded people that you know already and just get together for prayer, fellowship, and encouragement. I would also encourage those of you who are involved in community to not be exclusive. <laughs> I have a personality that struggles with that. I'm an introvert, <laughs> and uh, I know the people that I'm really close to, and I tend to gravitate to them because that's a safe environment. And uh, when I'm around that group and someone else new comes in that I don't know, I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and so let us, let me be able to to invite others into our communities, whether it's our discipleship classes, our community groups, our discipleship groups, that we would intentionally seek out people to invite them to know and experience the joy of community. And so our prayer today is that we would be, as AIC, a church that is focused around Christ and in community with one another, that we would not base our uh, Christian life just on attending the service attending an event, so to speak, but that we would focus on getting involved and interacting in the lives of those around us because it's within community that we experience the true change that the gospel brings us and so that together we can go and we can change the world and the communities around us. So may that be our prayer this morning. Would you join me in that prayer? God, we thank you that you have brought each and every one of us here to AIC. Lord, we know that we are not here by accident. And Lord, you have brought us together. Lord, no matter whether we've come, no matter what country we've come from, our cultural background, our economic status, our educational status, Lord, you have brought each and every one of us together in such a supernatural and special way that we just are in awe of who you are. And Lord, I pray that we would grow deeper into relationship and in community here at AIC. I pray that those who have not yet experienced the joy of community would find a place here at AIC that they can get plugged into, that they can be involved in other people's lives. And I pray that we as a whole community would not be exclusive, would not act like a club, but that we would be open to those who are in our midst and that we would... Uh, experience the joy of interacting in life with one another. So God, I pray that you would draw each and every one of us in closer relationship with you, as well as closer relationship with one another, for your praise and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Please stand with us. Let us sing the song.